Slava Jesus Christus, Slava Navika, glory be to Jesus Christ, glory be forever. This is Father Basil again. I'm continuing to read from this book, part three of the Light for Life series, The Mystery Lived, from God With Us Publications, and talking about communion and the moral life. Our focus for Christian morality also deepens at this stage. As with everything else, we see our faults in a new light. Our actions are not seen just as sins or virtues, but in view of our communion with God. We come to see our behavior as symptomatic of our underlying attitude to communion rather than as separate issues. We realize that our sinful acts are indications that we are seeking the autonomy of the first Adam instead of the new relationships of the kingdom of God. <clears throat> this is clearly illustrated in the well-known story of the seeker in the 19th century Russian tale, The Pilgrim Continues His Way. In it, the pilgrim goes to confession at a Postinya near Kiev. After he has finished, the priest pointed out that he had confessed trivial, trivialties instead of the root causes, that he did not love God, did not love his neighbor, did not believe in the gospel and was full of pride. The pilgrim is amazed and the priest gives him the text abridged here to explain this view. The confessor of an interior man leading to humility. Turning my gaze at myself and attentively observing the course of my interior life, I am convinced through experience that I do not love God, for if I loved him, then I would be constantly thinking of him with heartfelt satisfaction. Every thought of God would fill me with joy and delight. On the contrary, I think more and with greater eagerness about worldly things, while thoughts of God present difficulty and aridity. If I loved him, then my prayerful communion with him would nourish, delight and lead me to uninterrupted communion with him. While the contrary, I find it difficult to pray, and I'm willing to do anything insignificant only to shorten or end my prayer. In useless occupations, I pay no attention to time, but when I am thinking about God, when I place myself in his presence every hour, seems like a year. I do not love my neighbor, not only because I am not ready to lay down my life for the good of my neighbor, according to the gospel, but I will not even sacrifice my peace and happiness for his good. If I love my neighbor as myself, as the gospel commands, then his misfortune would grieve me also, and his prosperity would bring me great joy. But on the contrary, I listen with curiosity to accounts of my neighbor's misfortunes, and I seem to find satisfaction in them. My neighbor's welfare, honor, and happiness do not delight one as my, me as my own. I am not either completely indifferent to them, or I am jealous or envious. I do not have faith in spiritual realities. I believe neither in immortality or, nor in the gospel. If I believed without a doubt in eternal life, 
then I would be constantly thinking about this. And I would live my life as an alien who is ready, getting ready to enter his native land. On the contrary, I don't even think of eternity. If I accepted the Holy Gospel with faith as the Word of God, then I would be constantly occupied with it. I would study it, would delight in it, and with deep reverence would immerse myself in it. On the contrary, I do not delve deeply into it, but feel dryness and indifference to it. Further, I am eager to give up promptly, give it up promptly and go to worldly reading, in which I have greater interest and from which I get more satisfaction. I am full of pride and self-love. When I see something good in myself, then I wish to display it or brag about it to others. Or interiorly, I am full of self-love, even when outwardly I feign humility. I ascribe everything to my own ability and I consider myself more perfect than others, or at least not worse. I am vain about my talents and cannot accept any failure in my actions. In a word, I constantly make an idol of myself, to whom I give unceasing service as I seek sensual delights and try to nourish my carnal desires. Thus, self-examination at this stage shows us that all our efforts at a spiritual life still fall far short of the selfless communion with God and his creation to which we aspire. We simultaneously become aware of the possibilities of true communion and the inability of our fallen humanity to achieve it. This awareness of our brokenness undermines all sense of pride in our achievements. It is as if we were anticipating the last judgment, seeing our own brokenness as God sees it. We have become poor in spirit and therefore blessed. So, communion and the moral life. So communion with God is what brings us to make decisions that are pleasing to him. This is, this is what I got out of this part of the book. When we're spiritually mature, we are going to um, you know, do things because that is, we, we understand that this is what God wants from us. You know, we are humble. We live in him. Everything we do is for God. Everything we do is for his glory. Okay? And we have to think about the afterlife. You know, that, that's a good point uh, said here as well. We have to think about our life beyond this earth. We have to think, go beyond this, the realities of this earth we live in. Because the reality is we are, going, we are not going to be on this earth forever. We are, going, we are going to have eternity. We, want, we should want to have eternity with God and not with the devil. You know, there's only, one, there's only two choices that we can make. You know, we can either make the choice to be with God 
or we can make the choice to be outside of God's love. And we, <laughs> we should really be choosing the right choice. We should be choosing to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. So that's what I'm going to talk about today. God bless you. Have a good day.